when a little boy makes an imaginary friend, his mother has no idea that this friend has a tragic past. And then we meet a young couple who've recently moved into a new apartment. They were hoping to start a new life there, but a dark presence has other plans. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had an awesome weekend. Hope you guys had a lot of fun. Just a quick heads up, this Friday, December 15th at 7 p.m. for members of the Patreon and members of the Patreon Discord, we will be having our Dead Rabbit Radio movie night. We're starting those up again, so I hope to see you guys there. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm still thinking about doing a Dead Rabbit Radio Christmas live stream. We usually do one every Thanksgiving and every Christmas. Um, we're hoping for that. I'll keep you guys informed whether or not that will happen this year, but I'd really like to do one. But someone who always is ready for the live stream, whether or not I'm doing them, they just sit in front of their computer waiting for that little alert. Walking into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Mr. C. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> totally awesome. Walking on in. Walking on into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Mr. C was one of our Thanksgiving live stream contributors. I really, really appreciate that. Mr. C, you're going to be our captain or pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially through the Patreon or the merch store, that's totally fine. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Okay, let's go ahead and get this party started. Mr. C, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Drive us all the way out to a bad neighborhood. You're like, no, I don't want to drive there. Luckily, the Jason Jalopy is bulletproof. Drive us into a bad neighborhood. Take your pick, right? Take your pick of any bad neighborhood you can think of. (laughs) Where you see us driving by your house right now, you're like, ah. I thought my neighborhood wasn't that bad, but I just saw the Jason Jalopy uh, scoot on by. Said it was going to a bad neighborhood. We're headed out to a bad neighborhood, and in this bad neighborhood, there's an apartment complex. We get out of the Jason Jalopy, put the club on the steering wheel, activate the car alarm, and we're standing outside this apartment complex. We're about to meet a mother and her son. We'll call the mom Ava, and we'll call her son Max. Maxwell, if you want, if you want to be fancy pants about it, those are made up names. Max and Ava, they're going to get through this. They're going to be able to get out of this apartment, and we have hindsight on this story. Ava's telling us this story, and her life has. She doesn't currently live in this apartment. She's got herself out of this situation. Things have gotten better, but she goes several years ago. Me and my three-year-old son Max, we moved into this apartment in this bad neighborhood. Well, eventually, Max makes a friend in this apartment, an imaginary friend. He begins talking about this dude who's living with them. Kids are going to make imaginary friends. It probably gives Ava a little bit of comfort, knowing her son isn't like completely traumatized where they're at. He's doing the normal kid things. He's making imaginary friends. But she hears Max talking to his imaginary friend. Then we go to the seesaw. And the 
go up and down and up and down, and it's so much fun. You should come with us. Oh, sorry. I forgot. He was like, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about why you act so weird? Why does your voice sound like that, you creepy kid? As Max keeps talking about his imaginary friend, Ava learns these details. Um, I'm not going to keep doing that, that, that annoying voice. Max goes, hey, mom, yeah, my friend, he's really sad all the time. He's really sad all the time. And he was like, oh, that's weird, right? Who who would make up an imaginary friend that's sad? Yeah, well, I didn't make him up. He's a real person, Mom. But and I, don't consider, I don't consider him imaginary. I think he's real. He's sad all the time. He's sad all the time because he lives in the walls. He was like, what? Yeah, he lives in the walls. So, like, when I invite him to come out and play in the playground... He said, I can't. I live in the walls now. Which is <laughs> a great excuse with all the automatic gunfire rippling through the neighborhood. You don't have to worry about getting shot. I live in the walls, Max. I can't come out. I can't come out. But I can talk to you, little buddy. I can talk to you. We can be best friends. I was like, that's weird, right? I imagined his imaginary friend would be like a talking platypus or maybe like a magical unicorn or something like that. But okay. Your buddy, he is sad, and he lives on the walls. And Max goes, yeah, yeah, you got that, those two details. And the reason why he lives on the walls is because he can't get out. He's, like, stuck in there because he hurt himself. He hurt himself really badly, and now he's stuck in the walls. And you would think, okay, my kid's just tripping. Kids make up weird imaginary friends for whatever reason. I hope this doesn't develop into a crippling wall fetish as he gets older. But kids kids think weird things. Well, as time goes on, Ava, she makes friends with this police officer in the area. Not a bad idea. You live in a bad neighborhood. She makes friends with a police officer... And I don't know the extent of it. I don't know if it was a romantic relationship or they just hung out or she was a victim and he showed up to help her one day and a budding friendship began. I'm not for sure, but through the course of their conversations, the police officer learned where Ava lived and he goes, oh, you live in that apartment? You live right up there? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, you, you want to hear something? You want to hear something creepy about that place you live with your three-year-old son? The previous tenant in that apartment, that very apartment that you're about to go upstairs and fall asleep in, that apartment, the previous tenant there killed himself. Killed himself in your apartment. And this led Ava to believe, which I, it's, it's a fair assumption, right? That the imaginary friend that Max has is actually the ghost of a man who killed himself and is now, for whatever reason, living in the walls. That story was posted online. I found that it was posted by someone going by the name Carob Mammoth twenty three forty. It's an interesting story. You know, it's funny how many stories I find about kids. I think you guys probably guessed this, kids. 
having these really, really creepy imaginary friends. I actually have a, a, more than one. I'm kind of trying to space them out, trying to find the most disturbing ones, the most chilling ones to tell. I think for the most part, imaginary friends probably are like little brains learning to process information. I think most imaginary friends are just that imaginary, but it would be a... I wonder if ghosts know that. I wonder, like, think about it, because we know about the phenomenon of imaginary friends. We probably had them ourselves. So if I was to suddenly die, and now I'm a ghost, I think the existence of being a ghost would be pretty lonely. So I'm, like, floating around and stuff like that. And then this family moves in, and it's like the dad's like, ghost, schmost. I don't believe in any of that paranormal nonsense. And then the mom's like, science, science saves the day. Ghosts are for losers. And I'm like, oh, man, actually, I'm planning on bullying these people to death. I'll show them how real ghosts are. But then they have a little kid come in and he goes, wow, wonderment and amazement all around us. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm all rubbing together my ghost hands. I'm like the perfect target. The perfect target. I wonder if ghosts would see kids and go, um, I want to hang out with that dude because he can see me. It's not that they like kids. It's not that they actually want to hang out with kids. But it's like if you're just kind of floating around the kitchen and everyone's just kind of like constantly walking through you and getting breakfast and stuff like that, you're like, oh, no one's paying attention to me. But then you see a little girl going like, who's the floaty man? Who's that man floating in the kitchen? Then you go, ah, okay, she can see me. Because I do think there is a connection between kids and the paranormal, pets and the paranormal. So then you could convince that kid to be like, no, don't tell anybody about me. Can I be your imaginary friend? Because I'm just kind of just sitting here. No one's my friend. What do you want me to be? You want to have a tea party? You want me to be a pirate? Or I don't care. I've been existing in the void for 60 years. Maybe longer. I've lost track of time can i hang out with you and i think you would know yeah that kids could see you better and kids have imaginary friends and they would believe that someone could just magically pop in and out of reality float through walls once you started to be told that ghosts aren't real then i think because we've covered stories like that then you would just kind of become invisible again so i wonder if ghosts actually seek out kids and one thing i think this ghost is fairly harmless assuming that's what he is i assume it's a ghost a suicide victim it's not like he was like grab the straight razor max come and join me on my side of the playground you know i wasn't saying anything spooky like that yeah i don't think this ghost was particularly harmful he just wanted a friend and he found it in max i do find it interesting as to why we don't know how he killed himself i don't think he straight up went you know, cask of Montemadillo or whatever, where he's like, oh, it's time to kill myself. He's bricking himself up behind a wall. He's like, I, I, I read a story about this once and uh, like killed himself very slowly over the course of days by sealing himself inside of a wall. I wonder how he killed himself. I wonder how he ended up in the wall. Because generally that's not how it works. Like we have stories of ghosts that are hanging from nooses. You know, a bunch of people got lynched back in the day and they can say, when you drive through town, you can still see them hanging from a tree. Like, I wonder about the type of death leading to the type of ghost. But, like, how would you show up as a wall ghost? Uh, what's... <laughs> this is your homework for this weekend. What possible way could you kill yourself 
and end up stuck inside the walls. The only thing I can think of is maybe he killed himself in a room that ended up getting walled off. And he, uh, I don't know. I don't know what could lead to that. But it is interesting, too, because it's almost as if he's being punished, which is a component of suicide in a lot of faith systems, that suicide is punishable by torture or annihilation or just a purgatory type existence in the afterlife. So it could be something akin to that, but creepy story. This is one of those stories that I'm sure that wall ghost is still there. There's really no conclusion. They just ended up moving away. So if you happen to be living in a bad neighborhood right now and in an apartment complex, start knocking on the walls. <laughs> knocking on the walls. Your neighbors are like, quit that racket. You're like, I'm looking for a ghost. My apartment might be haunted. Knock, knock, knock. Because you might be living in the apartment right now. And you don't even know there's a man in the walls. Just looking for a friend. Or a permanent roommate. Or just a friend, right? Doesn't need to be spooky. Doesn't need to be creepy. Mr. C, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carbon copter. We are leaving behind this bad neighborhood. Fly us all the way out to another apartment complex. It's July 2023, fairly recent story. We're about to meet a young couple. We're going to call the man Johnny and his wife Samantha. And it's just them two and their cats. An unknown number of cats. Probably two, but could be more. They're moving into this apartment complex. And they're like, well, here's where we'll start our new life, Samantha. Us and this legion of cats in this apartment complex. I think things are going to go just all right. And Johnny says that this apartment complex was built in the 1970s, so it wasn't like this super ancient old spooky place a place where you may not think of encountering anything supernatural we tend to think of those places as being much older much storied and that might have been true for all the previous residents we don't know but this couple johnny and samantha may have brought this problem on themselves this is a segment i'm going to call Play Wiccan games, win Wiccan prizes. Because Samantha is a Wiccan. She's a practicing Wiccan. She's a witch who... I don't know these people, right? You can already tell I'm irritated. <laughs> Listen, my, my, my interactions with the Wiccan community are long documented. I'll put the episodes in the show notes. I don't have a problem with Wiccans, right? Despite the episodes that I'm going to put in the show notes. I actually don't have a problem with Wiccans. They tend to have a problem with me. But as I was researching this, the entire time I'm thinking, stop doing those things. <laughs> Maybe this won't happen. Possibly. Play Wiccan games, win Wiccan prizes. That's what we're looking at here. Samantha's a practicing Wiccan, and she has a altar... To the goddess Hecata, 
Now, there's a lot of different ways to pronounce her name. You may think that my pronunciation is wrong. Possibly. I've heard it pronounced Hecate, Hecate, Hecate. That'd be kind of annoying, right? If you always had to emphasize the middle cut sound. I've heard it pronounced that way, though. Hecate. <laughs> like, Jason, no one's ever pronounced it that way in the history of the world. Hecate, Hecate, Hecate. Hecata is how I heard it previously used. Like the E sound in uh, enough. Hecata. So if you think I'm pronouncing it wrong, listen, I'll be honest, it's possible that I am. But that is always the way I heard it pronounced. When I looked it up online, I was getting a lot of Hecates and Hecates and Hecates. A lot of different ways, but uh, I'm more familiar with Hecata. If, if that is the wrong pronunciation, then apparently you're a time traveler because no one can agree on how it's actually pronounced. But I'm sure, you know, with this type of thing where I'm going to be talking about somebody's religious preferences, all knives are out and they're magical knives. I'm sure people will be like, what? He didn't even know how to pronounce her name right. It's Hecate. I'm sure I'll get a couple emails like that. But such is life, such is life. I've always heard her referred to as Hecata. Even though it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't look like it should be pronounced that way. It's a crazy world, guys. Lots of pronunciations of ancient deities. She has a little shrine to this goddess. Long, old goddess. We don't even know who originally began worshipping her or where the name comes from. It's that old. It's older than any records we have. Uh, now, now she's a tiny how you think about it. That's so ridiculous, right? No, I don't. I'm not disbelieving that this goddess may exist, may be some sort of uh, entity in some form. I'm not saying that's so ridiculous that people used to believe in these old gods. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying if that is true, which it might well be, you might not want to build her as a three foot tall statue. She's a goddess that's existed longer than recorded human history. And you build this tiny little shrine in your apartment. And you put a little statue. I actually don't know what's in the shrine. They didn't post pictures. But I looked, was looking up. I did research on this goddess. And that'll come important in a second. Little tiny statue probably. Maybe not. Maybe it's just some broken twigs and like a half-baked egg and a milk from the cow of a baby that was born on the 14th full moon or whatever nonsense that they got out of a book or read on the internet or whatever built this little shrine to Hecata and they it's in this little room inside what I think is their office they keep saying throughout this narrative there's this apartment has a bedroom and an office I'm like, you mean a living room? Because at a certain point, they're watching movies in the office. I'm like, this is not an office. It's a living room. But anyways, I think her little shrine is in a small closet in the office, but it's somewhere in the apartment. This goddess who has existed longer than spoken language is now relegated to living in a tiny box in somebody's closet. Well, what happens is, shortly after moving in, Johnny and Samantha are there. They start to realize that there is a weird energy in this apartment. And Johnny, who's the one telling the story, posted the story. He goes, this is really what happened. One of the first things was the cats. 
started going nuts, right? So I'm assuming. So hopefully less than three or four cats. I don't know. They could add a baker's dozen. But the cats are going nuts. There are certain parts of the apartment that they will not be in. And sometimes they'll just sit there in front of a door, like an interior door, like looking into the bedroom or looking into the office or whatever you, or what have you. And they'll just stare into the darkness of that room for hours on end. Johnny says they'll just be staring in, into the room. He goes, also, the cats always seem like they're really, really on edge unless either me or Samantha are in the room. Now, I will say, first off, that is cruel to the cats. I think that's kind of cruel. I think it would be just as cruel if you if you had a pet in a an environment that's hostile to that pet. These cats are obviously going through something, some sort of mental disturbance. You might say they... <laughs> You might say they had pussycat trauma. <laughs> Anyways, these cats have PTSD. They're having some serious mental issues. Isn't that cruel? It'd be the same thing if you had cats. You love these cats, but you buy this house and then next to it, there is a dog breeding facility where just dogs are coming out like an assembly line and they're constantly like barking and screaming and stuff like that. But it's owned by the mayor, so you can't get it shut down. And your cats are like, ah, they're totally freaking out. Wouldn't it be more kind to give those cats to somebody else? <laughs> You're like, Jason. <laughs> You're like, Jason, I think you dislike the characters in the story so much. You're just looking for stuff. Okay, okay. Let's keep going on. Because here's the thing. This is preventable. When we get to the end, you're going to be like, oh, okay. Maybe Jason was right. Maybe they should give their cats to a family member who doesn't live in this place. Because this is going on right now. Maybe you will come on my site. Maybe not. Maybe you'll think I'm blowing this out of proportion. Anyways, cats staring into the maw of madness that awaits all of us at the end of Annihilation. Well, one night while Johnny and Samantha are watching a movie in the office... Johnny's sitting there, and something catches the corner of his eye. And he looks over very, very briefly. He sees a shadowy figure, a humanoid shadowy figure, move quickly out of the room and into the bathroom. And when he turns to look at his wife, Samantha, to say, dude, I just saw something super creepy, he looks over and her face is completely pale. She said she saw the same thing. She said, in fact... She saw the shadowy entity standing in front of her shrine. After this, they started seeing this shadow man in their apartment. And Johnny goes, it was really weird because usually, most of the time, we would see him either standing in doorways or standing in the archway to the kitchen. He goes, and I don't know what to even think about that. This this figure is usually standing in these doorways. He goes, but that's not it. Like, you could probably live with that. I mean, yeah, the cats are freaking out. He goes, usually he's just standing there, maybe walking around every once in a while. He goes, but something that's been happening 
is my wife has said multiple times that she has woken up with Johnny sleeping next to her, but when she rolls over, Johnny's not there. The bed's empty. But she goes, I get this feeling that somebody's there in the bed with me. And Johnny's like, well, that's kind of weird. Well, one morning, Johnny wakes up, and he feels Samantha behind him. He feels inclined to roll over and give her a big old smooch, and when he rolls over, the bed's empty. So the idea that there's some sort of entity laying in their place. And he goes, the, the reason why this happens is I, sometimes I'm an insomniac. I'll get up to go watch movies in the office. So I like will just be at, sitting over there in the middle of the night. And that's the same thing that night. His wife got up to go watch movies. And when he awoke, no one was there. But he had the feeling that somebody was there. We do, like we mostly do in these type of stories, see an escalation. Bathroom door begins to open and close by itself. Johnny says one night he just went to the bathroom and walked out, and the bathroom door opened, and he ran down the hallway. This is all just really bad practice, right? If You have to establish that it's your house. I've lived in enough haunted places, and don't get me wrong, it is terrifying. It is terrifying, but you can't give it the pleasure of running away. Also, probably don't want to put that. You probably don't want to admit it, dude. There's other ways. I'm not saying you have to lie, but you can say, I strode back to my room and went to sleep. You didn't have to say that you ran, okay? But anyways, maybe I'm just picking on these guys. Wait, wait, wait. I'm getting to something. He ran down the hallway. Every so often, they'll hear loud banging noises in the house and he does say and that is happening when the cats are in the same room as we are because you could easily classify that as the cats just goofing off the mental illness that's accumulated over the past couple months have driven them to madness they're just knocking stuff over or being regular cats so practicing witchcraft right a a, a wiccan comes into a house the energy's off is it possible that she is somehow feeding the energy uh subconsciously is it possible that there was an existing entity there that is draining that from her is it possible that she brought something with her after all she is a practicing witch and play wiccan games win wiccan prizes well this is really where it comes down to at the ending he really starts throwing some curveballs out right at the ending right at the ending of this narrative he posted it online underneath the name the vampy He says, um, even though my wife is a witch, this is a quote, even though my wife is a witch and practices witchcraft, they have not practiced for several months. So we don't know, you know, this is from July to December when he's posting that. We don't know if it's the past three months. We don't know if she was practicing. From what we gather in context clues, she was practicing for a couple of months during their stay here at this apartment, but has recently stopped. So, interesting question. Why did she stop practicing witchcraft? Is it because... uh, Is it because because a shadow man hopped out of her shrine and began running around her apartment? That would be a fair reason to stop witchcraft. Right? Probably don't do that. But, no. That is not why. Because he answered some questions from people. This is so bizarre. I cannot think of another... I cannot, I can't, okay. He goes, no, it's not because of the uh, void that's opened up and the shadow man pouring out of her shrine. No, she's pregnant. 
My wife, Samantha, is pregnant, and she believes that practicing witchcraft during pregnancy can be dangerous. Now, here's the thing. I agree with her. I agree that practicing witchcraft while pregnant can be dangerous. But I will just say, if you are a member of a religion, that while practicing said religion, can, can your baby can disappear or turn to a troll or whatever, because it's in you, that's probably not judge me. <laughs> you know, people are canceling their Patreon. They're like, Alakazoo, ding. I watch all my money disappear. I'm not... <laughs> I maybe I'm wrong, but I sat there and I go, is there another religion out there? Because yes, Wiccan is a religion. I'm not saying I think a lot of it's goofy, I think a lot of it's made up, but to be fair, I think that about uh, my own religion, right? I think that there are parts of my own religion and other religions out there that's like I, I think that's more of an allegory. I don't think it was factual. I was trying to think of another religion. You guys might have one. I was trying to think of another religion that may say don't practice this religion while you're pregnant. And the closest I could even think of is religions, say like Islam, that during Ramadan, there's a fasting period. And they say, well, don't fast. If you're pregnant, if you're sick, if you need the nutrients, don't fat. You're exempt from the Ramadan fast. And you can, might be able to make a parallel between those two, but I still think you would consider yourself practicing muslim right you could do everything else once she realized she was pregnant and she goes well performing witchcraft while you're pregnant can be harmful she's covered up the shrine with a cloth so i can't think of another religion where it's like don't do the prayers don't do the rituals while you're pregnant it might bring harm to your baby right? i i don't think i've ever heard anyone don't be praying this next nine months <laughs> don't be praying these next nine months the most stressful months of your young life, uh, no prayer, because Jesus might come in and do something to the baby. Like, that would, that's kind of the connection I'm getting there. So I couldn't think of anything else like that, but, I mean, I, I that's just so weird that you would practice something that could hurt your baby but you would do it before and after. So now you have a little newborn in your house. Do you start practicing then? Then are you burying like day old potatoes underneath the full moon when the silver cloud rolls by so you don't get acne or whatever? I mean, like you still imagine that child's in such a vulnerable spiritual state and you go, Jason, well, actually there are cleansing rituals that you can do to protect the area. And that is true. Not just in... Wiccan religion, but just in magic in general, there are, uh, and I think religions, mainstream major religions do this as well. You can have blessings and things like that on a certain location. That's true. But let's get to another part of the story, right? For past the baby, people were asking questions and they were talking about, did she like try saging the place? Did she try, you know, kind of casting this thing out? when they noticed that it was messing with the cats, that there was a weird energy there. And um, Johnny explains that uh, when they first moved in, she did some warding, like trying to ward off these spirits. He goes, quote, she did some warding when we first moved in, but there was a bad reaction or something. 
So it was never completed. So here's the thing. This is like the worst possible witchcraft. I don't want to say on record. <laughs> this stuff's been around since this this type of witchcraft's been around since what the 1960s. So we're looking at, you know, a little less than a hundred years. The old school witchcraft is completely different. Don't let that get twisted. This this new Wiccan at 1960s is where it all came out. I won't say it's the worst on record, but it doesn't seem like it. it doesn't seem like it's top notch either. If this was a Yelp review, it'd have two stars. You feel like your house has weird energy, this place where you're going to spend most of your time. You feel like you have the ability to handle it, and then halfway through, you're like, ah, never mind. I mean, listen, if you have a bad reaction to it, there's a reason why groups like this work in covens. So you can get other people to come in or talk to another leader. I mean, he might be as full of BS as everyone else in the neighborhood, but need to do the job as professional as possible when it comes to keeping the spirits of the damned out of your house. And here, this is the other thing that I find so shocking about all of this. So Johnny's telling this story and he goes, you know, this is everything that's happening. Cats staring into the darkness, into the rooms. Humanoid always standing in the doorways or the archway to the kitchen. Crawling into bed with us, trying to open the bathroom door, successfully opening the bathroom door and running down the hallway. This is the story. So, he ends his post by saying, could this be someone that died, something angry at my wife's altar, or maybe something else? It doesn't seem dangerous yet. That's great to know when you have a newborn coming in, right? It doesn't seem dangerous yet, and for the most part, we ignore it and try to not give it attention. Johnny then adds, it it's also odd to me that it seems to always be in doorways. Well, you know, I like to do my research for this stuff. I know that we're just talking about ghosts and ghouls and time travel, Bigfoot, and all that stuff, but I like to be thorough. Well, when I found out his wife worshipped the goddess Hecata, I go, I'm not super familiar with her. Let's go look it up. But, you know, also, I'm a busy man. <laughs> I say I like to do a lot of research. But I got a lot of episodes to do, so I just go to Wikipedia. I go to the easiest source possible for this information, and this is what I found. This is absolutely insane. Hecata, this goddess, she is associated, very old. We don't even know what civilization first named her, interacted with her. We know a lot of others have since. She predates Greece. Like, she's way back there. Hecata. She, this is right out of what she's associated with. These are the things you think about when you're trying to summon or do a spell. She's associated with, quote, crossroads, entranceways, night, light, magic. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, you're practicing witchcraft. Magic, protection from witchcraft, the moon, knowledge of herbs and poisonous plants, Graves, ghost, necromancy, and sorcery. So that all seemed like a really interesting grab bag. If you obviously, if you wanted to start messing around with ghosts, necromancy, right, bringing back the souls of the dead, communicating with the dead, that's kind of what might be going on here with the Shadow Man. But going back to where it says entranceways, later on it went into detail. It talks about Hecata was the goddess of doorways. Walls, borders. I found that in like five minutes. Five minutes, Johnny. This 
goddess that your wife worships is the goddess of entranceways and the transition. They call her a liminal goddess. She's in that transitional space. That's why it's standing in doorways, you dolt. That's why it's in the, like, five minutes. That is why, whatever this is, I don't know what this shadow figure is. I don't think it's a shadow man. I don't think it's a ghost. I think it's something associated with Hecata. Now, unless shadow men are associated with her, we don't know where shadow men come from either. But the fact that you have this shrine in your house that your wife practices witchcraft for Hecata and you have a shadowy figure that's constantly either standing in doorways or opening doors or even in that archway into the kitchen, that is that transitional space that is associated with Hecata. So you go, Jason, what's up with the cats? Well, I just read a little bit further down the Wikipedia article. Now, here's the thing. Johnny goes, I don't know a lot about my wife's belief systems. He goes, you know, I respect them, but I don't really know anything about them. That's fine, but maybe just spend five minutes when, when paranormal stuff starts happening. Look it up. Find out what your wife is doing. Hecata, goddess of doorways, goddess of entranceways. She's also associated with dogs. Sometimes she appears as a dog. Sometimes she has pet dogs. Sometimes her arrival is heralded by the sounds of barking dogs. So, this story is twofold. One, it is the story of people messing with powers beyond their control. This is not a CW show. Even though I believe that a lot of the rituals behind modern witchcraft are useless, I do not believe the underlying source they are trying to tap into is fictional or uh, all in their mind. I believe that the force they are trying to utilize is real. That's why it's so dangerous. Because if you do not know exactly what you are doing, you do this. You open up things in your apartment that your goddess is related to. So I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a ghost. I don't think it's a demon. I don't even think it's a shadow man. I think it's something on the power level way above that. I think it's something pretty bad. Five-minute Google search confirmed for me that this is 100% related to that shrine. Because it just matches up way too much. I think the rituals that modern-day witches do are goofy and just don't work. But every so often... But here's the thing. I might not know how to build dynamite, but I can set it off. An idiot could light a stick of dynamite. I don't know how it's composed. I don't know of all the materials or how much you have to put into a single stick or how long the wick needs to be or nothing like that. You don't need to know anything like that to blow yourself up or to blow up a bunch of other people as well. 
you have the man who designed the hand grenade, and then you have the man who's able to throw it. That's what we're talking about. If you move in, or if you believe in this stuff, which I do believe that magic is possible, I do believe there is this underlying current of energy we don't understand. If you go to a house and you're trying to do your rituals, you're trying to, and I, this would be my advice to anyone, Catholic priest, Wiccan, whatever. If you go into a house as a Catholic priest, you're trying to bless it, and something goes wrong, you would bring in someone else. You'd find out what the root problem was. I get it. It's hard to find a place to live. I'm not saying that they can just pick up and move. But you got it. I mean, like, that's basically worse than doing nothing. Because then any spirit, any elemental in the area is going to know you half-ass stuff. So even if you knew all the tricks to get rid of it, you're not going to be able to get rid of it because you don't follow through. You can't do the work. Mm. Here's the thing. If it was just two adults and their cats, I'd feel bad for the cats and I'd hope the adults would eventually open up Wikipedia and kind of learn and get involved in a bigger community and maybe other people could come out to try to help them solve this. And I'd feel bad if things went sideways. But the fact that while we're recording the story, there is a little baby floating around in Samantha's body. Completely unaware of all of this, but yet standing at any point during the day, 12 to 15 feet, max, what, 50 feet from a shrine that right now is summoning the dark energy from the goddess of necromancy ghosts in the grave. I mean, I say play Wiccan games, win Wiccan prizes, but this little baby was not involved in any of this. Right now, it's a bizarre and kind of funny story, right? About someone who doesn't really know what they're getting into and opening a portal and then just sitting down watching movies the rest of the night. That's the story now. There's a little baby who's about to be brought into this family. A family that has lit a stick of dynamite. And they're still holding on to it. Every day that fuse grows shorter and shorter and shorter. Like Johnny said, it doesn't seem dangerous yet. But if you can't handle the situation now, What makes you think you can handle it when you do realize that it's dangerous? If you can't handle the situation now, what makes you think you can when this shadowy figure is tired of scaring your cats and crawling into your bed? What makes you think you can stop it after your child is born? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.